Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, let's get started, you guys. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at the parable of the weeds, the wheat and the weeds. Um, But let's pause and let's pray and then we'll get into it. Lord, I do thank you for our time together and Lord... uh, We always can use your voice in our lives. We always can use your wisdom and direction. And we pray for those things even tonight as we look at this parable, Lord. Might it enlighten our understanding? Might we have ears that actually hear and understand uh, what you're saying? And I do pray, Father, that you would touch the illnesses that are taking place. I know Gil and Mary are not feeling well as well as others. I pray, Lord, you would help those who are struggling financially. Uh, There are a number of people who are uh, without jobs, a number of people I know who are going to lose, um, or it looks like they're going to lose their homes and are concerned. Uh, Lord, there's a lot that takes place in our lives that cause us to worry and to lose hope. And I pray, Lord, that we would find hope, not necessarily in the circumstances changing, but in your presence with us in some way. I pray that we would have the ability to see you in the midst of all of our situations. And I pray that you would bring healing to those who are sick, provision to those who need the job and need the finances, and a place to live for those who are on the verge of losing their homes. Uh, And may, Lord, we be family to all of these people who are struggling in all of these ways. Might we be there to step into their lives, to lend a helping hand, to do what we can to be of support and direction to them. And I thank you for, again, our community. I thank you for the people here tonight. Nourish us through this time we have together. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 13. Now, Jesus had just finished speaking and he's been talking to uh, a number of people. The end of chapter 12, he actually ends with his family wanting to see him, his mothers and his brothers. And they're saying, hey, your mother and brother want to see you. And he tells them, hey, These people here, whoever does the will of my father, that's the same as my father, my brothers, sisters, and mother. 
And so the next parables are really directed more so at his disciples and trying to communicate with them. He just finished talking about whoever does God's will is my family, basically. And in verse 10 of chapter 13, after he gives the parable of the the sower and the seeds, his disciples say, why are you speaking in parables? You know, we, we don't understand what's going on. Why are you doing this? And because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, he says in verse 10, not to them. It doesn't mean that they get to hear it and no one else does. But what he's telling them is that they are to continue to be what Jesus has been to them. I'm giving you insight so that you can be the insight for other people. And this whole idea of parables are to help those who are really wanting to know to fight through it. It kind of pushes us into a corner and we need faith to get out of that corner. It it causes a disruption in our thinking. It does something, the parable does something to make us think, wait, what? And we have to then wrestle out of it to find out, okay, God, what what are you saying in this parable? These few parables are all about waiting. And that's a difficult thing, at least for me. I don't know about you guys. I hate waiting. When I'm waiting to hear news back from the doctor, waiting to get paid, waiting to, you know, whatever it is, the waiting part is difficult and you wonder when is it going to happen? When is this going to come through? How are we going to make these things take place? But there is the farmer waiting for the harvest time, watching in frustration, right? As the weeds and the wheat grow up, which is what we're going to be reading about tonight. There's alongside that, the birds wait for that mustard seed to grow into a large bush so they can nest in it. The woman who's baking bread, waiting for the leaven to spread throughout the dough until the whole loaf is mysteriously leavened. All these things have to do with waiting. And again, communicating to his disciples, this is going to be very important for them. And it's very important for us. Learning how to wait for what God is doing is a difficult thing. Because we think we know, at least I do, what God should be doing. I know what God should be doing, right? I mean, some of these things seem obvious. Justice. We want to see justice in the world. I want to see that take place now, but it's not everywhere. We all read about or hear about the instances where justice isn't taking place, right? There's so many areas where we feel like I know what God should be doing, but I don't see it happening. And here are all these parables talking about waiting. And so that's really kind of where we're getting at now. And so we're going to start in verse 24. Jesus told them, the disciples, another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So there's the parable. That's what they hear. 
Remember, they just asked Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? You know, no one can understand. He goes, oh, okay. And then he went and talked about a bunch more parables, right? So he didn't really take their advice. He started pushing into this. And this parable is one that they wanted to know. What did you mean about this parable, the weeds and the wheat? And we get his answer in verse 36. Then he left the crowd, went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun into the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear." So he gives the explanation, but if you're like me, you're still going, what? I have two granddaughters. One is 12, and she's the mother of the 11-year-old, or at least she thinks that she is. Whenever the mom is gone, the older one feels the need to tell the younger one everything that she's doing wrong and everything she needs to be doing right. No, you shouldn't eat that. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to watch that. Mom's, nope, you can't do that. Clean up. You're supposed to clean up. And it's interesting because she does none of these things herself, but she's a master at telling her younger sister what to do when mom's away. And I think we have a tendency to lean in that direction. We we know what other people should be doing and we want to be able to tell other people how they should behave when they're not behaving what we see is correct. And really this parable is kind of leaning into that direction. He, he gives some, you know, basic points of who are the characters, the son of man. Jesus says that's who he is. The son of man is his title that he uses over and over again, it's he is the representative of humanity. He is not only the representative of humanity, he is the access of all humanity to God. In other words, the son of man is what man is supposed to look like, and that's basically like Christ. And so he's telling them who he is in this story. And so the son of man is the one who at the beginning, again, sows the good seed. And then he gives the field is actually not the church, it's the world. A lot of the commentaries that I read talk about the seed is actually, or the field is the church. It's where those who believe in Jesus are. But it's not, it's the world. It's the entire world. And what's happened is a lot of people have basically 
wanted to huddle together and say, okay, we are going to protect ourselves and our way of thinking from, you know, all the things that are bad. And so we want to alienate that from us. And so there's this segregation in our minds that takes place where God is giving this to his church and we need to keep the world outside. And so they hear scriptures, love not the world or the things in the world. And see, you're not supposed to love the world, but that's a whole different meaning. Jesus loved the world. God so loved the world, right? There's an understanding of the world at large where humanity lives. And then there's an understanding of the world system that is in servitude of itself and not that of God. And so there's two different thought processes there. And so what Jesus is planting He's planting good seed in the world. And what he's planting is us. Right? He's planting us. We are the good seed. It is when we live well and are living what we are supposed to be living or how we're supposed to be living wherever we are. Right? So it's at our workplace. It's at our home. We then become that to the world. And so... It's important to recognize that this is what we're supposed to be doing. Sowing the good seed is the son of man. The field is the word. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. It's interesting that he uses that word, the people of the kingdom. It's very broad. It's not just you 12. It's not just my disciples. It's the people of the kingdom. And what is the kingdom of God? It is the the things that God is wanting to accomplish in the world, right? People who belong to the kingdom are people who are wanting to see what God wants to see take place in the world. God is wanting to see justice. God is wanting to see mercy. God is wanting us to love one another as he has loved us. God is wanting to do all these things. And so when we are in line with what Christ has done, then we are the people of the kingdom, And it's not exclusive, it's very inclusive. It's not just people who believe like this or people who believe like this. It's people who believe like God. And that looks a lot like Jesus, right? And so we keep wanting to narrow it down and say, oh, you have to have said this prayer or you have to go to this church or you have to have been baptized by the Spirit or you have to have been baptized or you have to read your Bible or you have to do. And we keep putting these things that start limiting what's taking place. We keep becoming the 12-year-old mom to the 11-year-old, right? No, you need to do this. No, you need to do this. And no, you need to do this as if the 12-year-old really knows what she needs to do, right? It's like, wait a minute, you're telling her to do what? We're the one who just cooked your dinner, you know? What are you doing? And I, I feel the same way here that Jesus is telling them what to do, but they're wanting to be in charge. It was something that was constantly taking place with the disciples. And so what's happening here is he's really trying to help them understand their position, where they're supposed to be doing, you know, Jesus is planting the good seed in the world. That's us. It's when we live the way we're supposed to live, where we live, in work, at home, with our family. You don't kick the grandkids out just because they're being difficult. You don't get rid of the problem from the church community because they don't act or behave the right way or what you think is right. 
you really are trying to engage them. Now, of course, if it's criminal, that's different, right? I mean, you're dealing with a whole different element there. But if it's just someone doesn't believe like me, or someone isn't living the way I think they should live, or someone doesn't do the things that I like for them to do, or believe how I think they should believe, that doesn't make them a weed. In fact, what Jesus is saying is you need to stay in your lane, be who I'm asking you to be. And I'm asking you to be wheat. That's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be wheat. Can you just do that, right? He's just telling the disciples and us, just be wheat. Don't worry about the weeds. Who is or his, who isn't a weed? We have now, we're going to make a, a, a test to find out if you're a weed or a wheat. We're going to judge those things. Can you just be wheat? Can you quit worrying about the weeds? Oh, should we go and take them up? Should we go pull them out now? And no. If you do that, you're going to cause problems to the kingdom. Just be wheat. But, oh, don't we want to know who those weeds are? Don't we want to be able to tell that 11-year-old weed what to do and let her know that she needs to come and sit down here if she's going to take that cookie from the table, right? She has to do things our way because this is the way wheat behaves. And if you start doing that, you're a weed. So many commentaries talk about the weeds and who they are. It's so funny because that's not the point. The point isn't to find out who the weeds are. The point is be wheat. In fact, the whole point is don't worry about the weeds. Let God take care of that in his time. And it's not right now. It's in his time. He says the end of the age, and that could be a long way away. It's not a certain time. It's when God is making things the way he intends to make them. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's interesting, the early church did not believe that they were going to die and go live somewhere else. Their whole mindset was that the kingdom of heaven was going to be on earth. It wasn't we die and get to go to heaven. It's never been that. That's something that developed actually in pagan ways years later. It has always been God ruling here on earth. But we have so many songs and thoughts. It's all about, oh, you just got to get out of here, go be with the Lord in paradise somewhere in the clouds. But that's not the intention. The end of the age is when God brings restoration to this world, a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what he's pushing them to worry about what they're doing right here, right now, and not worry about what God is going to do later. You see, I think about my life and and the times when I've acted more weed-like than wheat-like. Can anyone else relate to me? And that's not just before I was a Christian. Some of those times have been after I've been a follower of Jesus, when I've been very judgmental, when I haven't been loving when I haven't shown compassion, I'm very weed-like. I'm not acting like wheat. And I wonder, you know, was someone there, pull him up, take him now, look at him, he's acting like a weed, right? 
Like, no, give me a couple more minutes. You know, give me, give me another day. I'll turn and I'll change. Really, I can be more wheat-like. You see, God knows who's wheat and who's wheat. We don't. I can't tell. People may have seen me and thought, that's a weed. I see them, I say, that's a weed. I can't tell. I don't know what they're going to be like later on. I don't know what it's going to look like in 10 years. I can't make those kinds of decisions. And it's not my job. I don't think we can tell the difference, and I don't think it's our job to tell the difference. It doesn't mean that if you see someone living a destructive life, you don't step in and help them. right? It doesn't mean you you don't uh, deal with problems that show up even in a church community if there's something that's being done that is obviously harmful to that person or others. You can step in. It's not making this final decision, though. Because he's talking about where these people are going to be at the end of the age. And you and I do not know. Period. And really, that's the point of this parable, is don't worry about the weeds. It's not your job. Stay in your lane. You're a 12-year-old, older sister. That's all you are. You're not the mom. Stop acting like it. But boy, do we want to. At least, it's been my tendency, right? The good seed stands for, again, the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. It's a bit generic. Um, It's kind of not very specific on who those people are. And again, I think it's intentional. C.S. Lewis talks about, and I don't remember what book it was or if it was in one of his uh, speeches and it was just transcribed, where he talks about that at the end of the age, when we see people, there are some people that we will see and be horrified at who they are. And then there are other people who we'll see and it will be all that we can do not to worship them. And he says the reason being is because who that person is today and the direction they're going, they will just continue in that direction for eternity. So if you're a selfish, um, self-absorbed, spiteful person, imagine that going on forever, right? Imagine you continuing in that vein throughout this life. And don't we see sometimes you get people who are older and they get more and more just old and set in their ways. Well, of course they get more old. I'm getting more, but, and it's like you start to see, oh boy, they're really, you know, showing a mean streak now. Well, that was probably there before and it's just getting more and more compounded. And then you have other people who they're just the sweetest people and they just keep getting sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And that they keep moving in that direction. And so really, it's, if I could just be the right person today, it'll help me to be the better person tomorrow and I'll just keep moving in that direction. And that's kind of C.S. Lewis's point. You know, this idea of weeds, these people who are the evil ones, It's not hard for us to see evil in our world. It's not hard for us to see people who have used power to abuse, to enslave. Uh, We think of human trafficking. We think of some of the problems taking place with uh, 
children in sweatshops and using uh, labor for just material gain and people living in just horrible conditions so that other people can make money. Um, there are so many areas where we see these kinds of atrocities taking place. Evil is not difficult for us to imagine because we see it, we read of it, we hear of it, and we know that it happens. And there is justice with God. And it's not like everybody is okay, don't worry about them. It's like, no, some people are weeds, some people are evil. You know, there are some people who know coding and computers and make programs that can monitor your heart by your watch and can transmit the information to your doctors or to hospitals all throughout the world. And some people spend their life doing this to help people get healthier and better and and good things can take place. There are other coders who want to put a virus on my computer and make it crash. And my computer, I'm not a powerful person. If my computer lives or dies, it will not change the effect of the world. It'll just affect my life and my computer, right? And so why does someone want to make this happen and someone wants to make this happen, right? Why do some people want to do things that benefit others and help you know, pull people out of these conditions and bring them into better conditions and other people want to oppress people and keep them in servitude. Well, there's weeds and there's wheat. Well, we need to deal with this. Well, we can deal with the condition, but you see, there are a lot of these people who have been oppressive who then change and become liberators. Right. I mean, the person who wrote Amazing Grace, right, was once a slave owner. And then he became someone who helped emancipate the black people from slavery. And that was a song he wrote because that's how he felt. So you could have pulled him and said, that's weed. But now he's actually wheat. See, I don't know. God does. That's not my job. I'll leave that up to him. And this really is what the disciples and most people are looking for, is a place to see who's going to be where at the end. You're in, you're out. Okay, yeah, I can tell he's out because, and we'll list our three points. He didn't, you know, say this, he didn't do this, and he wasn't this. So they're a weed. And what are we doing? Exactly what Jesus told us not to do. Exactly what this parable is saying. It's not your job. You don't get to make that call. That's for him at the harvest. All right, The harvest is at the end of the age when God will judge the weeds. The end of the age is actually not judgment. It's the harvest, which is interesting because we always think of it as going to be a judgment. He says it's the harvest, not judgment. Angels will take care of the judgment, not you. It's not your responsibility. Stop trying to be the mom to your little sister. It's annoying. It just is, right? And so we need to kind of leave that alone. Everything has its place in this story. 
Everything is in the proper lane. The Son of Man is doing what he is supposed to do. The world is the world as it is. The seed, the children of the kingdom are supposed to be just that. The weed, they're going to be the weed, whoever the weed is. The end of the age and the harvest, that's a time that we don't have control over. And the angels are the ones who do the harvesting. It's really a lot of it is beyond our ability and ability to know. And so what we do need to do is think about what, how, how are we supposed to deal with this? The righteous will shine like the sun, he says. And it's a great picture because it's, when the sun is in its brilliance, right? You ever seen the sun where it's like behind the clouds? You can see the glow of the clouds and it looks brilliant. But it's not the same as if you were in the middle of the desert and the sun came out and it became almost fearful. Right? It's like, oh man, this is now intense. And you see, that's what we are supposed to be. Is We're supposed to shine like the sun. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to reflect God to the world. That is our purpose. That is what we were created for. In Genesis, it says we were created in his image. What does that mean? We are supposed to look like him so that when people see us, they know the character of God. And that's where we will shine like the sun. Those others will be gathered and burned. Why? Because they won't shine. They won't be useful for what is beneficial for creation, for what God has done. And so the way we respond to this parable is we can either huddle up and say that there are weeds out there and we better watch out for them, or make the world safer for us so that we don't get infected by those weeds. And we're going to do everything to keep us protected. We're going to put the weed killer all around us, right? And stop those weeds from coming in here because we know what's right and wrong. We're going to be the judge. Say, this is weed, that's wheat. You're in, you're out. Based on our knowledge, based on our beliefs and what limited things we know about those people. Or we can engage as wheat in our world. We can actually be what we are supposed to be. Someone who looks and behaves like Jesus. And that's what he's trying to convey to his disciples. The proof that you are not a weed is that you act like wheat. That's it. If you're acting like wheat, it's a good chance you're not a weed. So you don't need to worry about it. If you're acting like a weed, stop it. Act like wheat. That's what he wants us to do. If you see one, someone acting like a weed, well, they may be a weed, but that's not your call. You can try and show them what wheat looks like so that they can see the difference. People get hung up on weeds and are always looking for the weeds. But the point of this parable is that's not your job. The whole point of this parable is you don't have to worry about who's in and who's out. You just need to be who you're supposed to be and leave the rest up to God.
Um, did Jesus perhaps have his eye on the revolutionary groups of people of his day that were only too ready to step into God's field and pull up what looked like weeds? There were so many people who were zealots who were just waiting for a reason to overthrow the Roman Empire and to cause some kind of revolution and declare them as weeds and then step into this role. And was he maybe thinking of these people as he's telling this parable? You think that you're going to be in a position to make that call, but you're not. And so maybe he's kind of circumventing what might have been taking place even among some of the disciples who were feeling that they had the right to step into this role. And he was letting them know that's not your place. And he's going to do this throughout. He has to do this throughout. We talked last time about the disciples and, and, you know, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And then the disciples' mothers, the sons of Zebedee, saying, can my son sit at your right hand and your left in your kingdom? They're all wanting position. They're all wanting a place. They're all wanting this authority. And the kingdom doesn't look like that. The kingdom doesn't look like power, control, and authority. The kingdom looks like meekness. The kingdom looks like If you want to be great, be the servant of all. The kingdom looks like this is what love does, is it gives itself for others. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus, who didn't try for a position, who didn't fight to be heard or have his name promoted. He actually fought for those around him and showed what justice looks like. That's what the kingdom looks like. And so in this parable of wanting to know who are the wheat and who are the weeds, the point of the parable is just be wheat. Don't worry about the weeds. Don't worry about who's going to be in and who's going to be out. The end of the age, that'll be taken care of. Not by you, but by the angels. Any questions? Any thoughts? Right, so and, and so now if you don't know they're weed or not, it's just help whoever you can, right? But once you t- say they're weeds, exactly, then you're going to limit your help because oh, that's a weed, right? So the whole idea is if someone is hurting, then that's the bottom line. I don't know if it's a weed or wheat. They're just hurting. They're a human being, and I'm there to help them. And now it's not my place to segregate. It's not my place to to put the judgment in. It's not my place to look at them as other. My place is to be inclusive, right? Okay, you're hurting. I need to help you. And that becomes the bottom line instead of, you know, labeling. Remember, whenever atrocities have been done, there has always been labeling first, right? If we're going to kill all these people, we're going to call them cockroaches. We're going to call them thieves. We're going to label them so that we can take away the humanity and make them different than us. And that enables us to judge. That enables us to do the atrocities because they are less than. 
But if we all see ourselves, I don't know if you're wheat or wheat, then I have to treat you the right way as human. You know, it's really the more you start looking at how Jesus dealt, especially with the segregation issues at the time between the Jews, the Samaritans, the Gentile world, Jesus came in and said, I think I'm going to treat everyone as human and changed the whole perspective of people. So that it's not, oh, you guys are Jews, you're the promised people. Oh, you guys are Gentiles, you're only fit for hell. It became, you guys are humanity and you're all created in God's image. I'm going to treat you like brothers. All right, that's what our whole series of Neighbors Keepers has been about. That's what our series on the others has been about. That's what we've been talking about this throughout these last conversations. It's about Jesus changing our perspective and seeing humanity instead of the segregations that we do that in. And we do that as Christians. I'm a Christian, you're not. Well, right now you're not, maybe. But I don't know what you're going to be tomorrow. I have a friend telling me, oh, they're an atheist. I go, well, right now they are but you don't know what they are going to be tomorrow. Everyone's an atheist until they're not. Then they're a theist, you know. It, 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 it can change. You know, labeling doesn't help you deal with the human. And sometimes when we do that, we actually set a segregation. Oh, I'm a believer. You're a non-believer. So I'm seeing you as something else. Now, they might not believe in Christ the way you do, but be careful that you don't look at them as weeds and not think that they just might be wheat and you're thinking of it incorrectly. Make sense? Yeah? I mean, think of how much better a world it would be if people stopped being, you know, judgmental in those ways, stopped belittling, stopped thinking themselves more important or more privileged or whatever. And would we really want God to judge every time immediately, right? Would we really want God to put that judgment down every time there was some little point of evil that took place and to prevent it from ever happening? I mean, who would be here, right? We'd all be... We don't want that, and we don't live in that world. And that's why this... Waiting is an important thing, right? Because it allows growth. It allows change. It allows maturity. It allows us to transition from one space to another, to become one person to become another. And, you know, we looked like weeds at one time, but now you start growing and start looking more like wheat, where if that judgment came right at the beginning... So it's definitely one of these things where you're weighing yourself to <laughs> where we we weigh ourselves against the words of Christ instead of against the actions of someone else. And we don't judge ourselves in comparison. We judge ourselves in light of who Christ says we are supposed to be and what God has declared us to be. And then we try to live up to that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a a partnership that takes place with you and God, right? You're you're responsible for you, but God is speaking into your life, into your heart, mm-hmm. and is revealing to you what he wants you to be, which is an amazing thing, you know, that God would communicate to us what he's wanting of us is pretty incredible. You know, if we would just stop and think about it, that the creator of the universe is moving me to become someone else is something worth taking note about and just saying, wow, God, even though it's like I don't like who I am, the fact that I'm aware of that and feeling like I want to be someone else is pretty miraculous. You know, it's pretty amazing that God would be able to do that and I would be able to understand it. And sometimes just being able to stop and say, wow, that's great. And so seeing that potential, sometimes we need God to help us see that, right? He's the one who kind of gives us, this is what I think you could be or what I believe you could be, what I've created you to be. And if we don't see that or if we don't hear that voice, then we'll settle for less. And so I'd rather be the person, like Jesus talks about, the one who went before the temple and couldn't look up and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, than the person who is like, oh, look at all the things I did, right? One saw his condition and saw his need. The other was blind to his need. Which one went away justified? Is the one who was aware of his need, right? So when I'm aware of my weakness, that's a good thing because I know what I should be and I know I'm not there. That means I'm journeying. When I think I've got it together, I'm in trouble. Yeah. So those are important things to remember because most of us, most of the people I know don't feel they have it together. Most people I know. There might be a few, but most people I know are struggling with their image. Yeah, I think recognizing we're all in transition, that we're all moving, and so our focus becomes really important Are you focused on your future as being, you know, something where I'm moving towards what God has for me to be and what God's intention is of me? Or am I moving towards what I see myself is as a failure or in another way? In other words, what what is your goal and what are you looking forward to? If we get locked into the depression... And that's what depression is, right? It's a, a cyclical thing where I just can't get out of this mindset. It's like my worst day happening every moment. Uh, yeah. And so how do you get out of that? You know, and, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes there's, you have to see a doctor and you have to, you know, deal with the problems that are there. Sometimes you have to deal with brain issues that you're having. Um, and that's all good. Sometimes those things happen to happen. But sometimes you just have to change what you're focusing on and where your future is. I had a lesson recently with a white German shepherd who was crazy. And um, the dog was, there was this one street, it was like, oh my gosh, there's dogs on this side and dogs on this side. It was like walking through hell, right? With these dogs coming at you in both ends, they're behind fences. But this dog, every time it saw a dog behind a fence, it just went crazy. 
And so here was getting it on both sides and trying to get this dog to walk up the street was near impossible. The dog's just freaking out and going crazy. And what's happening is the dog looks and sees the dog jumping up, trying to get over the fence or jumping at the fence. And that becomes its focus. This dog, I need to stop this dog. This dog's dangerous, right? Oh, there's another dog. And whatever the dog looks, that's when you could see it gets incited. And my job as a trainer is to get the dog's eyes and mind off of the other dogs and on me, right? Dogs have a pack drive where they need the pack to survive, but they also have a strong prey and preservation drive. And so what I have to do is try and enhance in the dog's mind, hey, I'm here for you, you it's, everything's okay. Don't worry about them, just worry about me, right? And, and so if I can get a dog to think more about me, that everything's okay, than worrying about what's happening behind the fences, then we can walk down the street and make it. Otherwise, the dog's out of control, the dog's freaking out. Same thing with us. If we can see that our father is with us, that he's not going to leave us, he's not going to forsake us, even though we're in this dark situation, even though I walk through the valley of two dogs on each side of the fence, right? Even though I'm in this place where nothing looks good where I'm at, I can keep a focus on this is where I'm still going to go. This is what I'm still thinking of. This is still who I want to be even in this situation. right? So I'm not looking for the situation to change so I can be a different person. I'm going to be the person I want to be in this situation. right? Because sometimes that's just where we are. I can't change the situation. I can't stop the cancer. I can't change, you know the situation with my family loved one. So what I have to do is be who I need to be in this situation and live with that joy, with that focus that, no, this is who I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be this here. I'm going to be wheat, even though it's raining, even though there's a mud storm, even though this is happening, I'm still going to be the light of the world. You know, I'm still going to be what I need to be. The most spiritual thing any of us can do is choose. You know, it's it's a tricky thing when we start trying to figure out how God works because God is bigger than what we can imagine and the way he works is beyond what we can imagine. In fact, if you have an idea of God, the idea is probably idolatry. You know what I mean? It's like it's less than what God really is. And so understanding how God works in situations like that, it's a tricky thing, but being aware of how God is working in that situation, that's yours, you know. Like, did God give you cancer? I don't know, you know, because there are a lot of people, if God gave my child cancer and they died, I have a real hard time with that, right? But the fact that you had cancer and God was present, okay, you know, I, I can understand that, Um I just don't understand how God does all the things he does. You know what I'm saying? And, and I've got to just leave a lot of room for God to be God. Because before I start saying, oh, he did this, and so I could do this, I start limiting all of what he is and how he does. But there's no doubt that he spoke to your heart and life in that situation. Yeah, and so... I think the takeaway is that in the midst of what is, you know, one of the worst times, 
God prove to be and make it one of the best things. Yeah, exactly. It, it is how God is able to take all things, work them for good. Um, it doesn't mean the things are good, but God is able to work good in all things. Um, and how and the way he does it is, I, I don't know. You know, this world is a broken and fractured place, and God is trying to restore all things to himself, the scripture tells us, and that's a lot of moving parts. You know, that's a whole lot of moving parts that God's working with, and I don't know how they all work together, and it's not my job, you know. Um, I can't even imagine how they all work together. In fact, once I do imagine it, then I have to get rid of that imagination because it's a false one. You know what I'm saying? Because it's less than. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the conversation that has been sparked from this passage and how it is, again, challenging for us to hear your words and actually understand them. And I do pray we would have ears to hear, that we would allow these things to shape us and how we see ourselves in relationship to the world around us, how we see others. May we not take it upon ourselves to be uh, the judge or the police to determine how people are supposed to live or whether they are in with you or out with you. God, we do not know so many things about them, about what you're doing in their lives. God, we are very limited and we really only have to worry about one thing and that is our relationship with you and being who we can be for you, Lord. Again, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have the right focus, that we would put our eyes on who you have created us to be, what it means to be created in your image. What good can we do in this world? May we not lose sight of your intention for us, and may we not be distracted by uh, weeds or by worry. May we be focused on what is the right thing for us to do wherever we're at so that we can continue moving forward and shine bright like the sun. Lord, we thank you again for your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.